Hello there, and thanks so much for supporting the Music Career Show. My aim with this podcast is to help as many people as I can turn their passion for music into a career that can support them and their family by speaking to people who have actually done it and finding out how they've done it. With this in mind, I have developed my music career roadmap. This is a fully comprehensive and detailed step-by-step guide of how you can go from dreaming about your ideal career to actually implementing and living that dream. It is yours to download for free and can be found in the description of this episode. If you would like any support at any stage of your music career, you can reach out to me via email at barry at oneladmusic.com. I wish you all the best of luck and I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Music Career Show. Welcome to the Music Career Show, telling you the stories of the world's best professional musicians. Hello there and welcome to the Music Career Show. My name is Barry and every week I'll be speaking with incredible musicians from all over the world about how they've honed their craft and made a career out of doing what they love the most. If you're a new listener, then while you still have your device in your hand, please take a second to subscribe and tell your friends all about the Music Career Show. Okay, so hello, hello, hello there, everybody, and very welcome back to the Music Career Show. So in today's episode, um, I'm hoping it will speak directly to the people out there who are maybe struggling to kickstart their music careers as songwriters slash original artists slash whatever you want to call yourselves. So are you home there sitting now thinking you're a musician just starting out in your career and maybe you don't really know what direction to take or how to get yourself to the next stage? Maybe even sitting on some songs that you're hoping are going to change the world but you simply just don't know how to go about getting them out there. Well, I'd hope today uh, that my guest will provide some really valuable insights into what those next steps could be. He is a fantastic producer and manager and an all-around nice guy. His name is Marcus Stretz. How are you, Marcus? Hey, Barry. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. So just for the people out there listening that may not know who you are yet, why don't you introduce yourself to them and tell them a little bit about what it is you do? Yeah, gladly. Um, I am, as you might hear from my accent, uh, I'm German. I grew up uh, two hours north of Munich uh, in a tiny place called Schindelsee. It's got 70 people living in there. And um, as many of you, I want to be a rock star. Um, I played drums basically since I can walk as my first childhood memory, really. Uh, and, you know, did that. At some point, started finding out that girls look at me when I hit things with wooden sticks <laughs> and uh, joined, joined shitty little punk bands. Um, and then, yeah, we, you know, at some point, what, what happens to you is like you, you start recording your own shitty little songs. We weren't very good, um, but we kind of got enough money together to go into a little studio and that changed my life because I was like immediately obsessed with what all these boxes do to the drum sound. And uh, through that, yeah, then got into, away from playing in bands, um, got into, you know, music production, music recording, all of that stuff, spent a bit of time in Los Angeles. And then through one of the guys I recorded um, one afternoon asked, do you want to be my manager? And like an idiot, I said yes. And uh, now now here we are with a couple of ATR work weeks and uh, a couple of tours later. So um, yeah, that's that's how I got, got into this stuff. Amazing. So it's all, it, it, it seems like it's all, it's all go, is it? All go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and none, none of it was planned ever. <laughs> so you kind of just accidentally stumble into it, which is, I guess, how, how a lot of people end up like that. I mean, you were, you know, when we have an, we were having our pre-chat, you were alluding to this as well. Like a lot of people yep. start out, want to play instruments, want to be on stage and then find out, hey, there's a lot of, there's a whole world behind the scenes that's actually a lot of fun and, and really fascinating. And then we kind of just, you know, gravitate towards that, I guess. 
Absolutely. It's a point that I bring up, I think. I think I've brought it up on every single episode so far is that I wanted to be a rock star when I grew up, but that wasn't like it's never been a, a a job description, but like it's 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 all to do with these sorts of jobs. Like a podcast wasn't around when I was learning how to play guitar, and I doubt it was around when you were learning to play drums. Do you know what I mean? And that's kind of the modern day equivalent of I want to be a rock star. Okay, you can't be a rock star, but here's plenty of other avenues that you can go down that are kind of like I'm I'm speaking to I'm to some of the my my, my favorite musicians through this medium, and that is um as as good as being a rock star for me. So um yeah, it's just it's 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 great to talk to people that have had a sort of similar enough experience, but they've 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 had a similar experience in a totally totally different way that I never even would have would have thought of. So you said you started playing drums when you were what age? That's five five years old. Uh, I did, I got formal lessons when I was seven. But I do remember like going into my mom's kitchen and get like pots and pans out and just banging away on it. And uh, for two years, my dad basically said, can't we just get him a guitar or a flute? Uh, <laughs> and uh, that that didn't happen. And my mom, bless her, uh, she gave in. They got me a drum kit. And since then, it's just been, you know, one way, one way traffic. Uh, I still love playing drums. Um, it's it's yeah. Playing an instrument is amazing, isn't it? It is. It's it's the absolute best experience in the world. But like so you got you got some formal lessons. How did they go? Did you stick with them or what did you do? I did them for four years, but I never, so a lot of kids these days, and I'm a bit jealous of them, they get to go to teachers who only do drum kits, right? Mm -hmm. um, I had proper formal education in like a German, South German music school, and we did everything, like marimba phones and orchestral music and, and everything, wow. and drum kit was just a part of it. And I hated it at the time. Um, I only wanted to play the drum kit, right? But I had to play orchestral pieces and I would do marching band music and, and, and all that stuff. Um, and in hindsight, it's that kind of stuff that makes me a, a better producer because you just have an, a, you get an appreciation for arrangement and how different parts come in and when it's too yeah. much and when it's not enough. And didn't like the time, but in, in hindsight, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. So I can play a marimba phone and, you know, it, it's, it's that rare thing as a drummer where you actually have to play with notes like actual yeah. notes like you know a c or, or, or an e um so yeah that's why i did stuck with it for four years and football took over um and then yeah like once i turned 15 i kind of went back into it and then had some like drum kit lessons and started playing in bands and, and all that stuff um but yeah my education was proper formal drum rhythm education not just a drum kit okay very good and then where did the uh like the audio production come into it um we were at that time, when, when I was 20, sort of, there, there was this thing coming up, which completely has died now, I think. But at that point, in time, it was really big. It was YouTube covers of songs. YouTube wasn't its infancy back then. It wasn't as you know competitive as, as it is mm. now. So the organic reach was quite quite big. And um, the, the band I was in, we did a cover of Blink-182's I Miss You, but written in the style of like one of the earlier pop punk songs so it wasn't a ballad anymore oh, cool. and that thi that thing got like one and a half million views or something oh, really? crazy like it was it was ridiculous i can send you a link afterwards absolutely yeah, ridiculous uh and and on the back of that we were like well let's just you know we did some shitty home recording for that thing and and i quote unquote mixed it um yeah. which you know i didn't know what i was doing um and then we wanted to record some songs and went into a studio because the drums for the the miss you thing was recorded on like an electronic drum kit with sample packs and superior drummer and, and what yeah, have you yeah. um we went we went into an actual studio and you know when you play an instrument and you've never heard an instrument like properly mixed yeah and you just know what the instrument sounds and then you see a guy like a geezer in the corner with a 
coffee cup and hasn't slept in ages, like turning a couple of knobs, and all of a sudden you sound like you're coming from the mountains. Like it's, yeah. it sounds like Thor's hammer, and yeah. that literally, like you, you know, it's such such a cliche, isn't it? Like, oh, that moment changed my life. But for yeah. me, it really was that. Like I remember a Saturday afternoon, tiny basement studio in Nuremberg, and I first heard for the first time what a compressor does, and it just changed everything. I was like, wow, I want to, you know, bugger this. Like I don't want to set up my kid in shitty little bars anymore. I want to do yeah. this thing over there. And just became obsessed with it, like absolutely obsessed. Every every course, every book, every interview. I remember like when I was, you know, I started studying economics, which, you know, I guess when we talk about management, that kind of, you know, is a nice segue into that. But yeah, yeah. I remember my mates going out into Pops on like a Thursday afternoon. I was at home, headphones on and just tweaking EQs. I became obsessed for a lot of, a, a long time with that. And yeah, first, obviously, you start recording um your, your own shit right so we had that band going for a bit and uh, it, it yeah. got comparatively all right so it, it got like i think we had like ten thousand subscribers on youtube and eleven thousand facebook fans so it kind of was a bit of a thing yeah, yeah. um and then you, you just you know start recording other people because someone always knows someone like you, you must have that experience yourself who just wants yeah, yep, to have 100%. something recorded yep. um and then yeah for an internship um for for my business degree i spent some time in los angeles and there i just weaseled myself into that that studio scene got to meet my absolute hero guy called joe barisi who did um slipknot and tool and uh queens of the stone age kaios like all that stoner rock stuff yes. and i just and there was a time when i was listening to records like stoner rock records and that name was always on the back of the record so it was just a mind-blowing moment when i got to meet him and uh, got to spend some time with him in the studio he taught me everything i know um i still speak to him a lot and he checks like stuff i do now and he, sent mixes back and forth but, um yeah that was my journey it was it was from like one compressor making my kick drum sound bigger to me going yeah. oh this is amazing okay very good so it, it was that like formal like what, what do i say did you like enroll it to, to take lessons in, in in la or did you just sort of arrive over there and be like hey i'll mix your stuff for free well, I, you know what i mean <laughs> well most like most of the week it was a human resources intern at a company called BMW Design Works, which is sort of like wow. a design office of BMW. So that was what I did most of the week. I wasn't over there to actually produce. You know, it was part of my my business degree. You had to do an internship abroad, and I just was lucky enough to do mine over there. Yeah, and it that, was a that thing, is not on your feet. That's very handy, LA. Like, I know it's it's brilliant. Although I'll tell you what, it's not the nicest city uh, to live that's in. Like, it's every it's, single person in the world says that there's like literally one street in LA that's nice, yeah. and the rest of it is a hole. No, I've never been, true. so I, I can't. I can't actually comment. But that's what I've heard. Anybody I've ever spoken to, it's it's true, mate. I don't know why people live there. It, it just became a hub. But what's beautiful about LA is the people. Like, there's so many creatives and film people and music people. Like, that's brilliant, right? Yeah. The place itself, rubbish. Like, honestly, it's not. Right. You're constantly in traffic. Everything takes ages. It's just yeah. But um. So anyway, I was out there. And uh, Joe Barisi, he has a thing. He still does it, by the way, if, you know, anybody in L.A. listens. He does a thing with his um, assistant, Chad Bamford, which is a thing called Pro Sound Workshop, where for a week you got to go in with them and they teach you how they actually make records. And um, I took a week off at BMW and did that thing. And um, through that, I kind of just struck up a relationship, I guess, with Joe because he must have thought, well, this crazy kid came from Germany to do this. So, yeah. you know. When he sends an email, let's reply. And that just went on for like six, seven years now. Where, um, you know, he, he's, he, he, Joe is amazing because he's not just a great engineer producer, but his whole mindset around how he thinks about the industry. There's this famous story of him where he was almost made like, paid like a million bucks, I think, to make a record. And he said, no, I'm not doing that. And he went into the desert with Josh Homme to do the first Queens of the Stone Age record for free. 
Uh, that's the kind of guy Joe is. And um, yeah. just to learn from that guy about how is the rock record actually make and the mindsets behind it and trusting yourself, trusting your instinct, you know, and I, you know, he's, he's amazing. Like he's the kind of guy who spends a Sunday in his studio, just, you know, taking six pickups and a guitar, recording them all through the same amp, same microphone combo to find out the difference between all the pickups. Like he's, wow. he's, he's amazing. And uh, yeah, he taught me that. So that was, I guess my formal education, but I guess if you want to talk about education in, in music production, it's a weird world, isn't it? Because you have what well, you, I guess what you did, like the formal courses, the, the yeah. uni enrollment and yeah. then you have um th then you have all that stuff around you know people self like being self-taught which like you know teaching themselves with youtube tutorials and everything and there's like it's a weird world because no one really cares in that world about like what degree you have it's all about how you make stuff sound so both yep. options are viable but i guess like a formal education is amazing because you, you don't get taught any bullshit like you watch some of these youtube videos where people show stuff and you just go that's not yeah yeah, that, really that, 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 that's all. That's all well and good, which are five grand's worth of Savage Waves plugged it plugins, and like you've got your <laughs> all, all your class outboard and stuff. Oh yeah, this, just literally turn that knob and it sounds class. Yeah, Savage. <laughs> Fair play. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go and turn that massive big ten grand knob. Just, that just, have, just, like. just, just, you know, just push your knee a bit harder. Exactly. <laughs> just, just, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because when when I when I was in college, it was just just what you're saying, it's about who you know we were getting all these lectures and all these um, tutorials and stuff. And it was like, most of the lectures were just like, yeah, that's all good. But it's pretty much all bullshit because if you don't know anyone, you're fucked. <laughs> Which was basically, <laughs> basically two years of doing a diploma in sound engineering. It's like, oh yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, but like, if you don't know anybody, then like you're at nothing. So like, thanks for your money. Good luck now. <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a tough, it's a tough business to sound engineering, mate. It's like, it yeah. is tough. It is tough. And and, and when when I when I when I finished, I didn't really have. I I was a total opposite. It just made me want to play music more. Um, <laughs> I was always because we we had to do all these like projects and 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 assignments and stuff. And one of them was, um, we had to record Fortunate Son. It was in my first year. We had to re-record Fortunate Son and get it as close to the original as possible. Now in second year, there was a guy that sang exactly like John Fogerty. Like. You could not tell the difference. Um, wow. So we got him in to sing, and I had to learn the guitar part for it. And one of the other um, groups had to do Every Breath You Take by the Police. And I nearly broke my hand trying to play it because I was one of the only ones. <laughs> even though I was one of the only ones on the course that could actually play guitar out of a group of 20, I, I, 25 I've I yeah, have no idea how Andy Summers does what he does. That is. I know. I, we, we had to retune the guitar eventually because my hand just wouldn't <laughs> stretch that like, after an hour of trying to get a decent take. I just re retuned the guitar. But um, so, yeah, so just doing that project just kind of made me want to be like, I, I really enjoyed being on, being in the live room as opposed to being in the control room. And then whenever mm -hmm. I was in the control room, I was always just, this was, I was only 17 at the time. So you can imagine yeah. I was literally sitting up watching the guy playing guitar and I was like, no, that's just it's not. It's not right. Just hang on, okay, <laughs> I'll do it. So that just shows you what I was like as a seventeen-year-old. But anyway, I love hearing those stories. Honestly, mate, like one of the things I'm obsessed with is people in recording studios and how they behave, because it's such a weird microcosm of egos and 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 you know preferences and how people interact with each other, and it's very primal and and yeah. you know it's it's I, all cave caveman mentality like. And I'm, this is what I love about producing. I'll give you a really, really good one. Was that one um, lecture we had? His name is Skip. I can't think of what his real name was, but he was just, that, that was his name, Skip. Everyone called him Skip. Uh, he was called Skip because he was from Australia. And he was saying that, funnily enough, and he, he lived in Ireland for oh, 20, 30 years at this stage. But he was saying that when he was learning engineering, he said, 
he was giving us he was he was giving us giving us a talk about uh like attention to detail. And he says, if you're ever going into someone's studio, literally look at how they line up the mic stands and what way they have the mic clips facing. Because if you go and put that microphone stand away and you don't put that mic clip the way that they have said it. The, 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 or the way that they like it, they won't get you back in for another another session. Oh, 100%. and it's it's exactly what you're saying about like that's just an arsehole thing to do. But if that's the way you like it, and someone doesn't do it, then you're well within your rights to to write them off. And regardless of whether or not they're a good uh, engineer or not, then they won't they won't be back. And then it goes back to it's it's who you know, not what you know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess who you know gets you into the place, and then it depends on what you know, right? So there's um, yeah, sure enough, of course. It, it's 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 that like you know if if you know everybody and, and you're likable fella uh, or likable likable lass, and then yeah. you, you go into a place and people think you're great, but then you can be as nice as you want. This is what I'm saying. It's a very feral tribal environment because yeah. it's so quick. You know what I mean? Like if you have someone who's inspired right now, they don't want to hear. Oh, sorry, this this thing isn't plucked in right. That guy behind the microphone is not going to go. Oh, it's fine. She's a nice girl. Like, no, it's 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 really yeah. like the pressure's on because like it's it, you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. And um, I guess that's why, to your point about mic stands and everything, that's why people are. This is what people used to check, you know, when mm. it's go time and and shit hits the fan. And and I had, you know, people when recording, I had people throw their headphones away and storm out and come back in two hours and like all kinds of stuff. You know, oh, can yeah. you keep it cool? Because at the end of the day, you're there for the artist. No one, like, if you want to be a rock star, don't be in the control room. You're there yeah. to help, right? No one, you know, no one needs your shit in there. You're there to help right. someone um, who's, you know, who's written a song and trying trying to get that out. And yeah, I guess that's that's a point. I, I always think like what, what you what you said there. Yes, it's important who you know, but you know who you know gets you into the room. What you know makes you stay there. So yeah. it's I, I guess getting into the room bit. That's you know that's part. networking, staying yeah. in. Like, yeah, that, exactly. Yes, but staying into the room. That's the skills part. Because yeah, otherwise you're going to be out there in two hours. Absolutely. Uh, which kind of brings us to the, the the next point that you're you're now a manager for a guy mm-hmm. called uh, Cam Cole. Anyone mm-hmm. who uh, has ever seen Ted Lasso will know exactly <laughs> who uh, Cam Cole is. Uh, yeah. And anyone that is into farmer foot drums, such as as myself, will also know who uh, Cam Cole is. Um, I'm hoping to have Cam on the show on the the, the podcast in the near future but your cam's managers how did that how did that come about yeah um cam was if you ever seen one of these these viral videos of cam like viral is a big word but they you know they've done the rounds on social media a lot of them are filmed in camden and that pitch in camden i used to live a hundred yards away from it right right in the heart of camden yeah and um just came out of camden tube station one afternoon so i was you know after la i was living in in camden in london and just heard him play and before i heard him before i've seen him i heard him and i went in my i remember that in my head i went oh fucking finally i was a bit bored with guitar music at the time and that must have been like 2016 i think um and i did what i did with loads of street musicians that i met in london i was like hey do you just want to record something you know i did that for free as a hobby because i just loved finding people that are very talented but play on the street and you know very different types of individuals and just record them yeah. And uh, he said, yeah, sure, let's do something. And then we started working on tracks together. And there's lots of stuff we worked on. Like, there's like some electronic drum and bass thing with guitars and like that stuff that you hear now with Cam and, and, and all that stuff. And to, to finance it, he was still busking. And, you know, one day he bought these farmer foot drums um, mm-hmm. and he just went to me before it even went 
before these videos even started popping up everywhere, he went, well, this CD I'm selling on the street doesn't sound like a sound like with these foot drums. Do you just want to record my street set with the foot drums? And I went, yeah, sure, let's do it. And we booked the studio for three days. That's all like the first album took, three days. Yeah. And we just set him up and, and he played. And if you ever heard Cam's first album, I see that's literally his street set. Like just, you know, one amp, no doubles, just playing live. And uh, we recorded that. And as I was mixing it, um, I I got a call from Cam going, are you, wow, have, you, have you seen this on Facebook? And I went, no. And it just his Facebook page went from like 10,000 followers to like, I think it was 40 or 50,000 followers in the span of two Amazing. weeks. Like bananas, bananas. Yeah. And he went, well, I've got to get this album out. I have no idea how to do it. You know that stuff and you've done it. And, um, you know, I've done that with my bands and always, you know, distribution, all that nonsense. Yeah. And I was like, well, let's just start a little label for you just to get your stuff out. And he went, okay, do you want to be my manager? And at that point, I thought the job of a manager for Cam would be, well, get this music on Spotify so people can hear it around the world, but yeah. book a couple of shows and he's mostly going to do street stuff. Then Ted Lasso happened and then it just went bananas. So they saw that live video of him on the street and then we got a call from Warner, which I thought was a scam call at first. So, as you would, of course. Of course, right? You, you get yeah. some like, oh, it's this, it's this Marcus. And you go, yeah. Oh, this is Warner. Can we speak about Cam Call? I mean, who what <laughs> you just think you you know they're having you on and um yeah. they talked about it and they were like oh you know ted lasso at that stage were these two skits they did with tottenham Hotspurs where he was like some some coach it was just like some saturday night life i think advertisements saturday night sounds right yeah i think your man yeah so he's on saturday night life oh right yeah exactly so it must have been that and uh then they were turning it into a show and i remember thinking well is this just are they just gonna make fun of him right? Because it's like a comedy thing. And then they showed me the script and I remember thinking, wow, this actually has a lot of, like, if you've ever seen Ted Lasso, you see there's a lot of heart in it, there's a lot of depth in it, it's a lot more than just It's my, my favourite thing in the whole world. Oh, it's I incredible, love, isn't it? I think it? it's amazing. It's just, it just it's, warms the cockles of your soul, so it does. Exactly. And you could even see that from the script. And uh, they were like, okay, can Cam, uh, can Cam play a character called Barney Scoots and do some covers? And uh, I, I called Cam and he was like, oh, I don't yeah, I don't, I'm not an actor. Yeah. And then we threw the biggest hail Mary at them. We just, we just called him back and said he would be up for doing it, but only if it's his own songs and his own name. And play to him. That's balls. That's balls, I know. And if you know anything about how movies are done these days, this shit usually doesn't happen, right? So if you say this to anyone in, in a Netflix production, their risk management department just goes into overdrive. They're like, who the, who the fuck's that guy? And, and yeah. you know, what? And... I think they were a bit pressed for time. <laughs> so it just went like, sod it, let's let's get this geezer down. And and Cam lives in a van. And I remember turning out on this set in South London where they were filming it. And they got him a trailer which was bigger than the van he was living in. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember walking up there and I got this massive laugh. Like I started laughing like crazy because on this trailer was a massive sign saying Cam Cole. So surrounded by Warners. And I was thinking, how how on earth did we get here? And it was mad. And then they 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 filmed it. Jason Sudeikis, by the way, is an absolutely amazing guy. Is he? Uh, oh my god, uh, he's. Uh, I know he. I think he said that in an interview that he had to accept now that a lot of him is actually Ted Lasso. A lot of his personality is actually Ted Lasso, and he's like that. He's just. He was so welcoming. He came to the trailer and he just took on this song, Mama, which he never heard. That one can play in the show. Never heard it. He's just like, oh, I like it. Let's play it. 
And um, he did this thing when they were filming Cam where he got me behind the camera of the director going, do you like this? And I went, Chase and I, with all due respect, I have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. Like, you do your your thing. He was so nice and he was so supportive. And um, yeah, what what, what a guy. That's that's, that's um, really nice to know. Because he he comes across as just like everyone's uncle. Everyone's oh yeah, just like he's just so sound. Always just knows what to say, and it just yeah speaks to you. Yeah. Speaks to the soul. Speaks to the soul. Like he does. He does. Yeah, he's genuine. I guess that's it, really. But the stuff that he does behind the scenes, like he's not just Ted Lasso. He's like you know holding all the strings together, and like he he's anyway he's incredible. And uh, so we we were putting this first album out, and then that got a little bit of a reception, and it was great. And you know by that point comes social media. So, so Cam really has two streams of audience. Like one is the busking videos that just keep going. Yeah. Around on Facebook, and the other thing is Ted Lasso. And at that point, Ted Lasso wasn't out, but we knew it was coming. Yeah. And um, I think the first album was out for half a year, and it got like some decent plays, and you know, I think it had, like thirty thousand monthly listeners on Spotify, which is nice. That's and weird, yeah. yeah, and then Ted Lasso came out, and for two weeks, nothing happened. Oh, no, no one, no one gave a shit. Like if you remember back when it came out. I remember it coming out on the Friday night thinking, you know, I was sat there with my little keyboard watching a Spotify for artists thinking, yeah. oh, this is going to go bananas. This is yeah. going to explode M- now, Monday man. morning, Monday morning, Elton John's going to be on the phone. It, it, exactly. Get yeah. me, get, get me the monkey in the fur coat and the, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and nothing happened. No one gave a shit. And it, Ted Lasso really was a slow burner. And, and, and like three, four months later, all of a sudden, like through pandemic and people being starved for human, you know, human decency, I guess. Yeah, it, it just kept growing and it just slowly kept growing and growing and growing. And all of a sudden it was 50,000 Spotify listeners and 60,000 Spotify listeners and it was 80,000 and 100,000. It just kept growing. Brilliant. And uh, that's that's how that went. Um, but yeah, it changed it, it, it changed our life pretty much. Excellent. Good stuff. So what sort of things do you do for Cam as his manager then? You, you kind of alluded to it there that you were kind of like, yeah, fuck it, it'll be grand. But like, you, you're now kind of, you're, you're in the role what is yeah. it that you do? What do you have to do? And Yeah. Uh, what I love about being a manager, and I guess this is an interesting one, is there's no two managers that do the same job. Okay. Um, because it really depends on the level of the artist who you're dealing with, what other structures build around that artist. So in my particular case, I do the management of it, but I also do a lot of press. I run the label that we got. I do the social media in a lot of, uh, a lot of cases. I manage that. So basically, everything I do, everything around Cam that isn't songwriting, I'm actually playing the music. Um, it's oh, okay. yeah, it's to do with merge. It's um, we've got, we we now have some sort of our own distribution setup. So we've got a warehouse in Stevenage, we've got another one in Kansas, and then we're currently I'm setting one up in Poland. So I manage all that of it. Um, I write the script for music videos. I produce the records. I'm involved in the sleeves. What the way I like to think about it is is Cam comes to me with a song, and then I help him produce and record it and get it out there. And once it's out there, I Get, I help get people into the shows. So I do tour planning with, with our booking agents and I do the tour management. So really everything that's trying to get his songs and his music and his, his thing out on stage and people in front of that stage, that's that's what I do, I guess. And, you know, all the tiny little things in between. The reason I mentioned that is because there are artists who are bigger where that will shift, right? So mm. if you, obviously, I, you know, that's it's. I know it's probably a bit of a wild example, but if you manage a Sheeran, that insurance manager isn't doing what I'm doing because they they have such a different level of they have people collecting royalties they have people doing the distribution of the records they have producers they have press they have everything at yeah. that point it's much more of a coordination job and I guess the legal aspect lawyers 
um, the whole aspect of managing actually managing a celebrity comes in. Yeah, which we don't have, of course. Um, and 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 that's a totally different job. So even though you would say yeah, both are managers, you know that that fella um, will be yeah. doing something completely different than I'm doing. I guess what a manager does really is you you look at an artist at you know, and I think that applies for any stage really. You you look at an artist and you see something in them that they maybe don't quite say see themselves yet, and you show them a way of if you want to get here or if you want to be here, here are the steps that I would recommend you do and then you work with them on, on on getting there i guess fundamentally that's it so in my particular case um i do the royalty uh, royalty side of of it as well by the way uh, for yeah. cam it's for my side of it it's it's a small enterprise but we're we're playing in a lot of fields so it's like keeping all of that together is yeah. my job um i don't uh, we we do have folks working for us and we have booking agents etc and graphic designers and, and all that yeah um my job is less of a coordination job and more of a getting shit done job whereas yeah. if you are you know if you marcus russell and you manage noel gallagher you will have to do a lot more coordination just because of who he is right? yeah 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 okay yeah so it god you you, you do an awful lot you're you're you're, you're very hands-on i suppose that that's what you're saying is it's the difference that the, the the higher the profile the kind of the not less hands-on but the more kind of coordination and stuff but say for example so for like i said at the top of the episode i'm wanting this this episode to to speak to the the musician that's sitting there in their bedroom that has the next world changing album um mm-hmm. sitting sitting ready to go kind of like um bill and ted remember their their music was going to save the world i want to speak yeah. to, to the introverted uh bill and ted sitting out there in the world that doesn't really know <laughs> how to get that that world saving album out there how 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 does one number one first of all how how does how does bill or ted actually get that music out there themselves before going to a manager or yep. what stage do they need to be at before they think about looking for management great um let me answer the first one which is the the getting the music out part yeah that really depends on if you want to have it out physically or just digitally because if it's physically you're getting into a, a, a quite messy world potentially if you actually want to have it distributed mm. and, and we can talk about that later um but digitally it's easy you don't need a manager for that it's so easy um there are these services like DistroKid and TuneCore and mm-hmm. you know hundreds of others by this point it feels like who are a one-stop shop for that stuff and i think they're like 30 dollars a year at this stage awesome. that's so easy all you need to do is is sign up for them get your music out there you can select where you want to have it like apple music spotify etc and they will do all that stuff for you it's so easy like if if don't pay a manager any dime to do that for you because you can do that in an hour so easy and um you can have a record out these days on on spotify like within a week from from uploading it to your services so it's crazy um yeah and DistroKid they do so much cool stuff where um you know like you can add lyrics to it and time sync then it's like a full stop one-stop shop so a lot of that is not rocket science that's just tenacity and and trying to get stuck in a little bit um so having it out digitally that's easy you don't need a manager for that physically now you're talking a different game so at that point you're talking costs that you have to even make that stuff so you know if if you want to have a cd that's still fairly simple the moment you're trying to produce a vinyl record that's when it gets really tricky and at that point i would recommend working with someone who's done it before because you can there's a million and one ways to mess up a vinyl record 
Yeah. And even the moment you have made it, trying to ship that bugger is is another whole, you know, is, is especially right, now yeah. now with us not being in the European Union anymore, it's a whole another level of pain that yeah. you, that you get that you get into. So yeah, it it I would I would say like physically, if you only sell a CD at your merch stand, you're going to be fine. The moment you're looking into physical distribution and um, trying to set up a a system where if you have a fan in Australia, they can order a CD from you in an online store, etc. At that point, if if you reach that point where you have that demand, I would recommend work with work with folks like you know not not necessarily me, but work with folks who you have done that, who have experience in that, because it's you know you can't you can't break a stream and then have to deal with a return. You don't have to pre-finance a stream. You don't mm-hmm. have to you know the whole tax point of it. You know expenses and income. Mm-hmm. It's fairly easy with a product that you just upload. Um, the moment you get into physical distribution and all that side of it, that's when you become whether you like it or not you stop just being a musician you become an import export business and at that point yeah. stuff gets messy um but yeah like if you are bill and ted um in, in if you were to ask me what shall i do bugger off the cds for now unless you're playing shows you know have a couple of cds where you sell shows uh, sell at shows and and just you know spend an hour saturday afternoon get a pint when it rains and get your music out there uh, it's so so easy sign okay. up tune core district kid easy Lovely, I love it. So yeah, it's 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 all funny. We were saying there at the start um, that like these sorts of things didn't exist when we were coming up, uh, when we were growing <laughs> up, and it would have been. It is mad to think in it just just how much the world has um, mm. has has changed and how small the world is. Um, yeah, like how really small the world is now, um, especially post pandemic and all this kind of crack. Um, as shy as the pandemic was for everybody. Um, there's there's silver linings to to everything but um so yeah so if 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 you're just bill and ted sitting on on the album just get it up just just get it up get it out there go and have a pint take get your laptop with it get it up perfect get it up what about um at what point then should bill and ted look at getting management say they never want to get into the whole uh distribution thing cd thing mm-hmm. on that well, suppose they, they will want to if they're if they're going doing um tours and stuff like that um but when should they start looking at for a manager um there's a lot of advice out there around you know this sort of income and and this that and the other and this amount of shows and mailing lists and i i actually think it's all bollocks um <laughs> I, I think what you the, the moment you're ready for a manager is if you build something where people that you don't know start sharing it and can't stop talking about it and that could be a song could be a show could be a look it, whatever it is right if you have something where and, and you and i we must have had that where you discover a band you discover a tune and you just go oh my mates need to see this mm-hmm. they, they need yep. to see this you know that to me is the point when you're ready for it because before that you don't have anything a manager manager can work with and all a manager will do is take your money right Fair if, enough. if 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 you don't have that, then even the best manager in the world can't do shit, right? There's this idea that a manager will have sort of this this magical creature, and then you know that person will know the way, and we shall now go from you know the streets yeah. of Camden to Wembley Stadium. Nonsense! Like you need to have something where it, it people can't stop sharing it. And I think there's so much like music, music business advice out there now, and there's like podcasts like yourself, and there's like YouTube, and mm-hmm. you know there's a brilliant fellow out there called Damien Keys. Um, if you ever heard him great youtube channel um and they've got so much yeah he's he's brilliant and then like burst is a press agency in london who've got a great youtube channel with like social media advertising advice all that stuff is all fine and good and but i think some like now that i do what i do i get like some artists coming up emailing me and asking me some questions and and i get questions I, i got a question the other week by some by a band 
who like they, they got an album out and they go like oh how do we collect like the neighboring rights royalties and i'm like what you're doing here is you're spending six hours of your life trying to collect five cents you know you, you're much better spending that time in in the practice room trying to come up some, with, with, with you know developing yeah. what you are i think artists now with all that knowledge that's out there almost have gone too far the other way i'm not saying be blind i'm not saying don't learn that stuff because if you don't know at least the a b's and c's then you're at the you know then you're more likely to get screwed over i get that yeah but there's I, I think artists have gone too far down that rabbit hole now where they wonder they worry about you know how do i collect a royalty from a radio play in in texas all right but you know yeah it doesn't it doesn't matter yet like have something that's why you're the artist right if if managers knew what that thing was that gets the crowd excited and that, that makes them feel a certain way we would be the one playing it exactly but we don't we don't that's why you're the artist and be proud of that and and you know if, if you're an artist your mind works differently yeah right and and be proud of that but that's your strength don't learn a bit about how this music business works and learn a bit about okay this is these are the two royalty streams you got songwriter and recorded all that stuff like learn a bit about it yeah but but don't lose sight of what you're actually here to do which is create art right that's that, that that's that that's great advice for um even for for any walk of life because I'm mm. desperate for uh I'll have an idea and I'll be like right in order to make this idea work I'm gonna have to put ten systems in place and I'll spend <laughs> an entire day putting every single one of these systems in place thinking ten yeah. steps ahead and then not a single one of them is relevant and you've wasted an entire day so it's yeah. it's it's like it's it's one of those things like why would you have a dog and bark yourself. <laughs> um, do, do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> that's a good one. I like that one. That's really yeah. Good. So that that that's that that that's amazing advice. That's absolutely no, fantastic advice. Yeah, and and when you have that, when you have it, where it's not your mom and your girlfriend, when it's a, a stranger who, who sees you at an open mic night in a bar and going, I, I took a video of this and I I need to send this to my mates. You know what I mean? Once yeah. you're at that stage, and this happens to you repeatedly that's when you're ready that's when you got something of like okay now i've got something to work with as a manager now social media makes sense because there's people who actually want to take what you have and, and share it right yeah um yeah. that's when you're ready and uh, if, if you have a manager who's in it for the right reasons who doesn't just want the money every manager i know who's worth their salt they know the first one or two years financial wise it's not going to make sense and that's fine right um it, it, for instance the booking agent we had at first a fellow called aiden um, hello, Aiden. Uh, he, he took us on knowing he's not going to make any money from Cam that much. You know what I mean? But he was he believed in Cam enough to take it on and book shows for him, knowing that this is going to grow. Mm -hmm. And it's a similar thing with a manager. I didn't make any money from Cam managing for years. You know what I mean? If I had to spend the time working in the bar or, or stacking shelves at Tesco, my bank would like me a bit more now. You know? Mm -hmm. um, so that that's a whole thing. I, I get all of that. When do I need a manager? And, and you know, there's, there's certain points of like, okay, now I, I don't understand you know certain royalty things or legal terms anymore i mean part of what i have to do with cam i have to read free trade agreements now because we ship shit to mexico and all that stuff yeah that's all fine and dandy but the underpinning of it is always are you are you speaking to a certain section of an audience enough that they go i've seen something and it it, it made my day and i need my friends to see this as well once you're at that point all the other shit will, will follow from that you can you can trust me on that but before that Go back to the rehearsal room and, and find something that's that's that. Very good. Again, it goes back to like basically day one of sound engineering that that you'll understand as well. If it doesn't sound good going into the mic, it's not going to sound good coming out of the mic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. That's brilliant. You, so, sorry, go on. Have you seen that meme where it's like 
one guy going like a singer going i need more reverb in my microphone the engineer going back i need more talent in your microphone as well <laughs> i love it yeah uh, i'll send yeah. you this one afterwards uh, one. yeah there, there was another one that we used to be taught in um in uh in in, in sound engineering called the fuck off knob um where <laughs> basically if someone comes up and asks you oh can i get more can can you make it sound more brown please you like, oh yeah yeah no about it there you go there's there's the brown knob uh oh yeah that sounds brilliant <laughs> and it's like it's all right it, and it, it works it, it, it works in, in in places where people tell you to turn down it's like oh can you turn it down a bit oh yeah yeah no about it yeah yeah yeah, yeah is that better oh brilliant brilliant <laughs> and you've done absolutely nothing you've, you've, you, ju- you've, you just you've, gave you the dirty can't. secret away you just gave the dirty I know, well, secret away, uh, away. well look but look <laughs> that's why it's called the fuck off knob <laughs> but uh brilliant <laughs> So um, I'll probably edit that bit out uh, because I don't want to give it away a secret because I do that all the time. If I'm Same. playing, in, if I'm if I'm playing in the pub and someone comes out comes up and asks me to turn out, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, is that better? I'll I'll just use a pan on an unused channel. I was like, yeah, is that better? <laughs> oh, that's much much better. Yes, yeah, so. um, brilliant. Uh, so then, so right, so say Bill and Ted. I love how we just kind of named our avatars. We've just kind of like Bill and Ted are now our guinea <laughs> pig. Bill so and Bill Ted are on their way. Yeah, exactly. Bill and Ted, they're they're ready to go. They they're at the point now where you say it's now time to step in and uh, to step up, get a manager, get management, get yourself to the next step. How yep. do you find a manager? Is it as simple as I live in Aberdeen in Scotland? Is it as simple as googling music managers Aberdeen, or <laughs> like how 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 does it how do you go about it? It's a bit like, and I'm really sorry, I don't have a better example, but it's a bit like dating. Oh, where sometimes you get chatted up, and sometimes you're the one having to chat up and um, it's a bit like that. There's no one size fits all. Um, If you go through the history of all your favorite artists, how they found a manager, not one story is the same. Uh, There's stories about them having the same taxi driver. There's stories about them having living on the same floor in a flat. It's honestly, it's the most random shit. What I would tell you to do is the best way it works is around networks, right? So when you play in a pub, and you're looking for a manager, ask the guy, the promoter, hey, have you worked with someone recently who you trust and who you think is good? If you work with a sound engineer, have you worked with someone recently who paid you on time? Uh, if you, you know, if, you, if you're with another band, it's like, hey, do you know someone, uh, you know, who's, who's in that? And yes, you can do the other thing, which is you can go on managers Aberdeen or management companies here and there, and um invite them to a show of yours right just hey don't 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 go in and by, by the way do you want to be my manager but build a relationship with them first be like hey you want to come to a show of ours check us out it is honestly like that don't don't take the first guy coming around or first girl mm-hmm. um the, the the most important relationship as as an artist and i know me being a manager i probably am very biased but the most important relationship is with your manager you can fairly quickly switch an accountant out. You can fairly quickly switch a, a, a lawyer out. You can even fairly quickly switch a booking agent out if things don't work. Mm. What you're getting involved with as a manager is a level of, of depth and embeddedness that if shit hits the fan, you're going to regret for life. Because okay. I'm, for instance, I'm doing CAMS taxes as well, right? Oh, okay. I'm, I'm involved in so much of it, like it, even it's pension planning and, and all that stuff in the future. Like, it, it, there's a level of there's a depth of relationship that you will have to have with a manager that you, you honestly be so careful about who you let into your life. It's a bit like, again, dating. If you choose the wrong partner, they're going to make life hell, right? And yeah. it's really hard to get, really hard, it's, it really hard to get rid of. So take, take your time with it. And, and when it comes to, we, we can talk about contracts in a minute, but I guess really yeah. the, thing, the thing is put your feelers out and 
listen to, you know, people will know people, listen to the environment they're in. Um, some of the best managers, by the way, in history are people who have not managed a band before, but had certain skills and are really enthusiastic. So that could be a mate of yours who has a business degree. Um, what you get if you're really small band and you sign one of the things i really believe in is big fish small fish if you're yeah. too small a fish and you sign with too big an agency you're only going to be at the bottom of the pile because you have to it's not even that the agencies are assholes it's just they have to pay the rent right so if your yeah, show is bringing in yeah. 20 quid you're when you call they're not going to be like hey you know so yeah. if you sign like, this is the other thing sometimes bands think oh if i only sign with the bookies agent the biggest management agency to start of my career everything's going to be great mm, no um because you, you need to build up to a certain point, right? Yeah. Um, so if you have someone who's, you know, a, a friend of yours, um, uh, you know, some some of the best managers in business have been dads of, and some of the worst, to be fair. Yeah, sure. I've uh, yeah. been family members, so it's it it can be anything. That the thing about management is, one advice I always give folks when they, they ask me now is, if a manager is pretending like what he does is rocket science, walk away. It's not yeah. rocket science. It's yeah. graft. It's hard work. If someone comes up to you and says, I'm going to make you big, walk away. What you want is a guy saying, based on where you are, these are the five things I'm going to do next. Now, they don't talk about outcome because every good manager knows you can't control the outcome, but you can control what you're going to do. So you want someone who gives you that. You want someone who's super transparent and you want someone who's really enthusiastic about your project because no one's getting paid for years. In, in most cases, you know, there's obviously there's like cases like Royal Blood who shot up fairly quickly, etc. But these are the exception, not the yeah. rule. Um, so you, you want someone who understands all this and it doesn't get flustered when you ask them for action steps. If someone says, oh, you should be playing Wembley Arena in two years and you ask that person, OK, great. How do you get there? And they go, oh, leave it me. And, you know, yeah, don't 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 go there. It, you, you want someone who's super transparent, rather humble, no egos. You know, you don't want a manager who secretly wants to be on stage because that's the worst. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and like that, there's no one size fits all. Um, but that's how I would go about it. Network, ask around and then just really take a long time before you choose someone. That, okay. That's my advice. That's, that is absolutely not the answer I thought I was going to get from that. I've never, <laughs> I've never understood how, how that works myself. Now, I've never gone down that, that, that route of like original um, music or tour music. Like I've toured and stuff like that, but like not anton major but um see, yeah. see, the thing is the way artists gets paid there's so many income streams in and it's fairly complicated combining all of this shit it, it's yeah. so easy for a manager to just fuck you over if they want to it's the easiest uh, thing in the world, right yeah and you, you want someone who has that transparency and, and 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 that trust with you um and you don't want a guy who's selling you smoke and mirrors because you're going to regret it fair enough yeah, um, I suppose I suppose you're right. Yeah, it it, it is. It, it would be really easy to fuck someone over because, like, mm. even just 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 thinking it in in my business, my business is is two parts. It's I I I do a lot of gigging and I also do a lot of teaching. Um, so yeah. they're my kind of two sort of income streams, I suppose. And it's hard enough for me to, <laughs> to keep track of the of just two of them properly. So never mind having to keep track of someone else's if they've got. Revenue streams from Spotify, from Apple, from CD sales, from Ted Lasso, from fucking the man on yeah. the moon, from Elton John wanting to say or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, 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 that I think is very solid advice. So, Bill and or Ted, make sure you do your homework. So, talking about contracts then. So, say someone is on the flip side of this and maybe that they... 
they're like you and they like getting into the nitty gritty or they really like um, listening to Motorhead, but they really buzz off like spreadsheets as well. And they want to get <laughs> and they want to get into <laughs> and they, they 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 want to get into like being a manager and doing all this kind of stuff. And they think that they'd be a really good fit for that. You're saying the first two years. You, you, you're you not going to make anything. So how does a manager then eventually get to a point where, I suppose it, it works in the best interest of the manager to get to be able to monetize their services as soon as possible and as sustainably as possible. How does how, how do you go about doing that? Well, there's two, there's two ways. So not on, the, the, the one is you, you, you come out of university or well, not even university, you, you finish school and you want to become a manager. Um, you can A, see if a management agency takes you on um as you know an assistant executive assistant pa multiple ways of starting um and you just the good thing about that is you have a stable income and you you are among like in a fantastic place to learn because you can learn without having that responsibility so mm. if stuff like shit it's a fan um then you're not necessarily going to be the one that's getting the sack right yeah um so you in a you're in a fairly protected environment but what you miss is i guess that decision-making aspect because others making the decision, you're just there to help them execute them. Um, and that's not for everybody. Some people like to be more involved and, and, you know, steer the direction more. Um, you could do what, um, sort of my trajectory was. I, um, I have a human resources degree and I, um, did, did work there, you know, um, I still do, by the way, um, yeah. work for King's college, um, in, in London. And, the, the beauty of like flexible working hours these days is you can compress them and you know see so basically what i'm trying to say here is find some kind of other income like yeah. i guess you with your teaching that yeah. is stable and where you will be fine not making any money from management for two three years right so you can pay your bills you can pay your rent because the beauty of that is you then put yourself in the hot seat and you will learn a lot quicker so if you are you know, in, in a protected management agency and you're part of a team that organizes a tour, that's great, but it's a whole different level if you're the one solely responsible for it when an artist starts out. You, you're really in the hot seat. Um, both are fine. You know, it depends on your personality. Yeah. Um, for me, I love being involved and have a sort of a 360-degree responsibility for everything. That's why the, the path I took, I, I loved. Um, but, you know, there's something to be set for being in, a, in an established agency at, because the networking, for instance, that's another aspect where you're going to be much better off. And, you know, I had to do that myself, whereas if you come yeah. into an existing one, that's easier. Both are valid. Um, yeah. But the, the one thing I always tell folks is make sure your intentions before you go into it are right. Because if you're a favorite musician and you're trying to desperately get your ego fixed through that, your life's going to be hell. Because you're going to be around that applause and that noise and that admiration. Yeah. And if you secretly want that from yourself... You're going to be a shit manager and you're not going to have a good time. Like, Make sure you're really passionate about helping someone else get the spotlight and grow there. So before you yeah. get into all of this, make sure your intentions are there because otherwise it's going to be hell. All right, yeah, that that all sounds absolutely amazing. Like like I was saying, I've I I never knew what any of this stuff was myself, so I'm finding this like so interesting. So I hope Bill and Ted oh, are really you. getting. I hope re Bill and Ted are really really getting uh, a lot out of this. And even if you're getting nothing actual value wise out, of it, I hope you're enjoying listening to it. And that the um, because it it's such a fascinating just sort of like you're saying smoke and mirrors. It's like no one really knows what a manager. Well, you know what a manager does, of course, and and we now know what a manager does, but no one really kind of. 
it's that kind of like magic side of like rock and roll where you always hear about like the manager <laughs> was doing this, that and the other and um, hear about all these like legendary like um, managers, Don Landy and all them. By yeah, 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 and yeah. All them. But um, yeah, cool. So you were saying there before we started recording that you're building up your own uh, record label and A&R company. Is that right? Yeah, it, it, it kind of happened to release Cam's music mostly because we were talking about it goes back to no manager does the same job, right? Um, because every artist is so different and the way they want their things structured, right? So you might, if you're in my, shoe, you, in my shoes, you might find a guy who says, no, I want to sign with a record label and I want to sign with, you know, that. And then you have artists who just like the freedom to do whatever they want. And sort of the whole distribution side of it that we're building right now, where we got warehouses all over and, and sort of our own record label, that was born out of Cam just being like, no, I don't want to be told an A&R. I want to make the records 100% I want to make. And I don't, you know, I want to write the lyrics I want to to write. Um, I want to swear in songs when I want to swear. Yeah. Um, and I want to put them out when I want to put them out. And, um, you know, that, that kind of how that side of it then developed. Again, as a manager, then you have to go, okay, this is, the identity of the artist I'm dealing with here. This is what they want to do. Now, what are the steps that I'm having to do to make that reality? And then I went away and sort of built um, a record label that's called New Age Records UK. And uh, Cam and I have been talking about like in the future, taking more artists on now that we've got the whole thing built basically. So now if you want to release a record with us, we can make sure it's, you know, in shipped in Kansas and European Union and, and the UK. And it's all, there's, there's people, there's people working now that we work with who, when an order comes in, I don't have to do anything. It's it, it's in a warehouse. It gets shipped. You know, they deal with the returns, everything. So we build a whole structure around it. But the idea behind it really was just to let Cam do and release the music he wants to do in a way that he wants to do it. And I'm not saying, by the way, that that's necessarily the best way for everybody. Yeah. But it was the best way for that particular artist and the, and the way that artists things to to bring it back to what managers actually do. You know, it's 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 a totally different thing if you manage the Gallagher Brothers in Oasis. Yeah. You know, and oh, yeah. and. Where, where it was Carnage or like the Libertines. Uh, yeah. Whereas if you manage, you know, four rather well-behaved lads like Coldplay, you know, um, <laughs> because at that yeah, point you, you, you're getting into the whole part of, well, how do you deal with someone who's a bit of a loose cannon, right? Yeah. Um, so again, like this is, I, I keep saying this, I don't want to sound like a boring broken record, but no manager does the same job ever because you, you're dealing with an artist so if you want to become a manager, the one the one thing that you have to really learn is resilience and just have a bit of a delay between the 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 impact of an event and then your emotional reaction to it. <laughs> because if that delay isn't long enough, you're gonna get into a whole world of trouble. Um so yeah, that this is the fascinating side of it. Back to the record label thing. Um yeah, so we, we accidentally I accidentally became a manager and now I'm accidentally <laughs> running a record label. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of fun. I mean I love it, but um yeah, that's that's how that came about, really. Very good. And so you're 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 act. Are you actively taking on clients? If Bill and Ted are out there listening and want to get involved, how do they yeah. get involved? Yeah, um, I haven't done it for years now because I thought, well, let me just get this one client I have right here and, and make sure we, you know, we got the whole thing set up. And now, yeah, yeah. If if I I'm now in a space where I see something where I think, okay, this is this is brilliant, and I think I could help them rather than just sign a contract with them, then yeah, hundred percent. Um. I'll, I'll totally be open to it because now you know we have the whole structure in place for instance like cam toured america uh, this year so now we have that whole structure in place around touring around um i didn't want to take anyone on if if i couldn't answer certain questions for them so if someone comes to me now and says i want to tour australia i'm now in a position to be like okay this is 
you know, you get there. Before that, I didn't want to take anybody on because I felt like, you know, I'm not, I'm not worth your time if, um, if I don't have the, the right answer to that. Right. Well, what we'll, what we'll do is then um, we'll, we'll hope that Bill and Ted out there have, have gotten enough um, information to get themselves started at least. If they would <laughs> like to, to get in touch with you, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, super simple. I'm, I need to set up a, a homepage for uh, for that management stuff of my side. Um, but okay. because Cam's got a tour at the moment going on, I'm, I'm too deep. If you just want to send an email to management at camcole.com, I will see it. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we, you know, you can chat to me and if you want. And you can take it from there. Cool, right. Yeah, well, yeah. Then. And the other, the other thing, by the way, just to anybody listen, like even even if you just want my opinion on something, um, I had so many folks helping helping me out when I got started. If you just want my opinion on something, I'll just just send me an email and say, hey, can you take a look at this? I'm, I'm I love I love helping folks, even though I feel like I, I, I wouldn't be right as your manager yet because all I would do is take a twenty percent of you without offering anything. But if you just want me yeah. to have a look on something or get an opinion, just send me an email. I, I love listening to stuff. Yeah, there you go. Marcus Stretz, all-around nice guy. Let's finish up with um, a quick-fire round. So this is just a handful of questions that have no bearing on anything <laughs> whatsoever. Right, so Marcus, can you give me your job title in three words or less? Producer, manager. Oh! I wasn't expecting you to be able to do that so 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 easily, but uh, fair play to you. Fair, that, that's me one through the back in my box. Um, cool. Is there any words that you find hard to pronounce? Bumbercloud. What? Bumbercloud. Is that is, is that German? Is, no, it's it's like so it's just some Jamaican slang. I heard it in London. I thought it's the coolest word ever, but I, I struggle to probably say it. Bumbercloud. What, what is it? What does it mean? I've never heard that in my life. I, I don't. I don't even know what it means. I had a guy saying it to me in a pub in London once when he spilled beer on himself. I don't, <laughs> I don't quite know what it means, but I heard it once and I thought, oh, it's a brilliant word." And uh, it sounds like something the BFG drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess. I guess there will be someone out there who will look at this us two and go, "Oh, God, these idiots!" You know, yeah, that's what the, it means. The, the yorks, yeah, I Fair heard enough. it. I heard it in the elephant in Camden a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, oh, "This is brilliant." Bumbercloud. Bumbercloud. Yeah, I think that's how, how you say it. Right. I, I, I love the sound of it. It's it's a fun <laughs> word to listen to. Anyway, um, if you could be any Disney character or any cartoon character, who would you be? The fox and Robin Hood. Oh, what a shout. It's that's the best film. I never saw that film until I was like 22. It's so good. And it, it's, it's amazing. I never it's had so it as good. it had. I never had it as a kid because this was back when like we had videos and I always had, you know the way you had like the trailers before like Toy Story and it was yeah. like, oh, get Robin Hood on, on VHS now. And I'm like, yes, but Robin Hood isn't in the Tesco beside me. So what the <laughs> fuck do I do? So I never had, I never saw Robin Hood until I was like 20, 21 or something or 22, whatever age I said. Brilliant. It was, Absolutely the, it was the first one. It was the first one my mum got for us because I, as a kid, was obsessed with foxes. Uh, oh, I, I grew up next to a forest and they, you know, they would just run around. I love foxes. I, I really do. And uh, she thought, oh, it's a fox on there. It's just. <laughs> there you go. He likes foxes. There you go. That'll amuse you for an hour. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. You're the, you're, 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 you're the, the, the fastest one so far to answer that. Oh, nice. Question. That was, Thank you, you, you've given this some thought. Well done. Um, <laughs> well, I haven't heard them. Uh, no, fair enough. Um, so what would, do you think that your 12 year old self would think of you? So 12-year-old Marcus, what would he be saying to current day Marcus? Oh, wow. That's a deep one, isn't it? It is. It's, it's proper profound, like. It's proper profound, mate. Um, I guess he would he would say, wow, you 
toured America and done all this stuff. That's pretty cool. And I guess he would be slightly shocked by the decline of the hairline at age 32. <laughs> Fair enough. Right, so somewhere between them two. Fair enough. That's that. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it almost almost wasn't as profound as as as. as <laughs> I love it. Um, if you could have any car, any car at all, if you're into mm. driving, what would it be? Oh, wow. Do you know these... Oh, it's such a cliche answer, sorry, mate. Do you know these Volkswagen 60s surfer buses? Oh, yeah, the the, the VW bus, um, is, camper is, van. Is it Bully T2? I don't, I don't know what it's called. One so, of them. Oh, yeah, 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 one of them. There you go, one wow. of them. Wow. Wow. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's subconscious that I've been, I've been looking at that thing. Um, yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Volkswagen, give us a shout there. Honestly, if you're if Volkswagen, if you're listening. Um, yeah. No, seriously, I, I, I do remember I was in Australia backpacking after, after high school. And uh, I, I remember the beach somewhere. There was this one guy who had it, but he modernized it inside. Oh, class. Great. So the the, the interior, the, the the exterior of that cool look, but inside it was like a really great car. It wouldn't break down and, and do all the stuff they do. So if I had one car, that would be the one, like the exterior of those old sixties ones, but in like maybe with an electric engine even, in, oh, yeah. and a and a good stereo. Like in internally, I'd modernized it. It was honestly, it was amazing. Amazing. That's so cool. That's so cool. I love it. Uh, and then finally, finally, and this is the the as I always say, this is like the million pound question. What would you be doing <laughs> if you weren't well, I have a musician written here, but what would you be doing if you weren't manager, producer, producer, manager? See, I'm the luckiest bastard in the world because I'm, I'm doing this managing, producing side of it. But I always, um, you know, the other side, the other stuff I was always interested in was like this, this whole thing around like human resources, talent development, that kind of stuff. Like how do people choose their career? Yeah. And uh, that's what I work at at King's College. So I'm already doing it, which is, I'm honestly, I like the sun's shining out of my ass at the moment. I'm, I'm a lucky bastard, me. And uh, oh, I, I get to do that. So I guess what, one thing that I've been told once by, by a fella in uh, Nashville, of all places, uh, he said, oh, you're so calm around like this whole music thing. And then I, I thought about that. And I guess he's right because I, I get to do this stuff, but I don't need to put pressure on my artists to bring in the bread right I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm in a place where I can just let him be and and um, I, there's so many folks in the music industry and mental health in the music industry is such a big topic isn't it and I think a lot of it that comes from the unpredictability of it and and constantly being at the mercy of, of other people doing stuff yeah. and um, I'm, I'm a lucky bastard me because I that side of my life I'm still doing and I wouldn't miss it for the world I'm, I get to do that work in a fairly I guess yeah, it's higher education safe environment and um yeah I, I, it would be it probably would be fully going into into that really um so yeah that's 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 another side of stuff i like i, I love so yeah i'm i'm a lucky bastard me mate annoyingly uh, annoyingly yeah annoyingly um, said, I, I i share the sentiment i get to play guitar every day for a living and i still give out about it so um yeah brilliant. it's uh it's brilliant. it's good isn't it it's good yeah yeah, so yeah. Life, life is an awful lot handier when you're actually doing something that that you enjoy it doesn't seem like work it's like i've done plenty of i've done years and years of doing shite jobs not shite jobs but jobs that i had no interest in and weren't for me yeah um and it is it's it's soul destroying when you can't do it but it's the biggest weight off your shoulders when you actually do find something that you can yeah. get stuck into and, and and really love doing you know what's really interesting about that is like this 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 idea of like oh if you if you find this thing you love you never have to work another day in your life and i think that's bullshit because 
even in management, there are things of it. I, I just honestly, I hate doing. I, oh, I honestly, if you ever look, uh, honestly, if you play drums and and you want to be in music, the last thing you want to do is check a royalty spreadsheet of neighboring rights and radio airplay in in Argentina or whatever. But that's part of it, right? I can imagine. Yeah. Well, you don't want to read a trade agreement, finding out uh, what does a fan have to do to get this CD imported, and what do we need to do on our end? Like, I have to deal with like, um, you know, the whole whole beauty that is. Um, you know, border tax in, in, in the UK now after, after Brexit. And yeah, you know, that's part of management and I don't like that stuff. It's not fun, yeah. rubbish, boring, but you know, it's, it's part of it. And I guess like, even if you're a musician, if you're a touring musician, you don't enjoy like every setting, single gig. Yeah. Setting up yeah. every night. So it's like that idea. Like sometimes, you know, it, this, this idea that if you find the right thing, you're just going to be happier after. No, no, no. Part of it is still going to be shit. Like the best thing I ever heard about becoming a musician or like if, if I can give you like some profound manager advice is if you want to make it in music or management or any walk of life really is you need to choose the stuff that you're willing to struggle for not the stuff that's fun. Because everyone is fine with the fun bit, aren't they? Like, oh, this is great. Yeah. You know, applause after a show. Like, um, you know, I've, you know that's great, but it's it's you 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 need to choose the stuff that when it's a struggle you're still gonna do it. That's yeah. the, the a, a much more robust measure or predictor of your success than than the stuff that you enjoy doing. Because we all love stuff, don't we? But the the, the shit that you don't want to do, if you still get up your ass and, and do it, that's really, I guess, the, the the thing that makes a difference. And that is profound. I love that. <laughs> that's fantastic. And that, more that, more profound than the more profound than the fox. <laughs> than the fox on the receding hairline. <laughs> um, yeah, um, fantastic, Marcus. I tell you what, let's leave it. Let's leave it at that. And um, one more time, really quick. Where can people find you um, if they want to get in touch? Uh, just go on camcall.com management at camcall, or you know, send me an email there if you want me to listen to a song. If you just want to get my advice on some stuff, or if you just you know um, want to have a song mixed uh, and then produced or whatever, like just just hit me up. I always love listening to new music. Um, I think that's that's really why I'm getting into this. I, I I love when people come up with stuff they're really excited about and don't really care if you're selling 500 tickets or 10 tickets. If you're excited about it and you're just like, hey, can you have a look at it? Then quite likely I'm going to like it. Good stuff. Marcus, an absolute pleasure. All around nice guy. We'll leave it there. Thanks very much. Appreciate you, mate. Have a good one. That was the Music Career Show. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends about the Music Career Show.